And I want to, uh, before I start, I just wanted to express my uh, appreciation and uh, gratitude uh, for my uh, best friend Byron, Sergeant back there, and, and Nikki. They came all the way from Waxahachie, Texas to be here this weekend. On uh, my early birthday, the big 5-0, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm in that tween stage. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not yet privileged yet to be in Saints Alive, you know, but, but I've lost the cool factor. I'm not one of the young ones anymore. So I don't know where I am, but, uh, but we'll see. I guess I just got to delight myself in, in, in making fun of the, of the 60 plus until I get there. So by the time I turn 60 and I'm added to the group, I will have earned every bit of sarcasm and, and <laughs> every bit, every bit that I get. Hmm? 50 is my jubilee. Amen. I'll take that. Hallelujah. Amen. I received that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, Bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you so much for, for you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we thank you for your word. And Father, we give reverence to your word this morning. Speak to our hearts. And we will listen. We will listen with hearts to obey. Quicken your truth to us, Father, that we may understand and walk therein. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you know, We've been talking about identity. Last Sunday, I addressed the issue of how we view ourselves. And I ask you to reflect on the lens with which you view yourself through. I pointed out that there are many flawed lenses that will cause us to develop a warped view of ourselves if we choose to see ourselves through them. False lenses like life experiences, failures. And by the way, I want to say, we look at failure as such a negative thing, but, but you know what? There are great life lessons that we can learn through failure. But simple things. You know what? Before we learned how to walk, before we perfected it, there was a lot of failure in the process. Was there not? Before we learned how to ride a bike, 
Before we perfected it, there was a lot of failure, a lot of lessons learned. We learned how to balance ourselves. We learned how to steer. We, we, we learned a lot of things that were important to our ma eventually mastering that skill, right? Those of us who have whatever grade you've achieved in school, you know what? There was some failure mixed in the success. And you may get your diploma. I don't know about y'all, but I wasn't 4.0 all the way through school. I was better in some subjects than others. I excelled, and I was, I was excited to go to some classes. And I had my head down and shoulders drooped, and it was like I was going to the gallows, going to others. There were some failed tests. There were some assignments that didn't do as well as I wanted to. But through it all, I graduated. Right? As parents, there's no manual as much as we'd like for there to be one. But, well, the, the word of God is the manual. But sometimes, you know, you learn, hmm, this stuff is not as easy as you might think. And you struggle through the raising of your children. But the thing that is important is not to so focus on our failures that our failures become to define us in our minds. To see them in their proper perspective. So I don't want to dwell on the failures, but I felt like someone needed to hear that, so I shared that. And and so we learned that the only true lens is the word of God. I'm going to say that again. The only true lens that we should be viewing ourselves through and we should be having our world view through is the word of God. And our minds must be renewed to the point that we are viewing ourselves through that lens. God's word told us that we are greatly loved by him. I'm speaking to you this morning, and I've parked here on this identity thing. So if it's big, sounding a bit redundant to you and so forth, you know, I just want you to uh, just open your heart and soften your heart toward it because this is so needful in the body of Christ. How many times do we make a mistake and and we say, stupid. Or we look in the mirror and, 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 and we say, ugly or, or fat. It's easy for those negative labels, those things that, that for, for, for those negative labels to pop out of our, our mouths. And, and, and what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. And so if it comes out of your mouth concerning yourself, then guess what you're believing about yourself in your heart? And God wants to transform that. God wants to change your perspective to where what comes out of your mouth is what you know, is what God planted in your heart. And it is the truth of God's word concerning you. You're greatly loved. You're created in the image of God. You're a new creation in Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? You're chosen by God. You're not condemned by him. 
And it really blessed my heart that we're being continually interceded for by Christ. He's up there cheering. Yes, you can do it. Yes, God, they can do it. They're the righteousness of God in me. Hallelujah. They can do all things through me who strengthens them. So I want to agree with what my Lord and Savior is interceding for me about. Amen. And it says that we are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we are seated with him in heavenly realms. Amen. And last week I called, it was such a wonderful response. I gave everyone the opportunity to come up with hands open, offering to God and just taking our our self-images, taking our egos, taking our identity, the flawed identity through those flawed lenses and just giving them to God in exchange of receiving our true identity through the pure lens of God's word. And I thought that was such a beautiful thing. So today I'm going to continue about what motivates our behavior. You know, just addressing the issue of why we do what we do, because I think it's connected. I know it's connected to how we, to our perspective, to how we think. All right? See, I realize there's a correlation between how we see ourselves and how we see God and why we do what we do. I'm going to say it again. There is a correlation between how we see God, how we view ourselves, and why we do what we do. It influences us. I looked up a definition for heart, and the definition I found was it is the inner man. The heart in its moral significance includes the affections, the emotions, the reason, and the will. And it brought a scripture to my remembrance. Proverbs 4, 23. I would like you to turn there, please. Proverbs 4, 23. And normally I use the ESV, but I'm going to do the NIV today. Proverbs 4, 23. And it says, above all else, guard your heart. Say, guard your heart. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart with all diligence. ESV says with all vigilance, for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. But I want to look at this verse in context. And so I want, I'm going to read verses 20 through 27, and I want you to see that particular verse in the context of that passage. And I think it'll give us some insight here. And it says, 
my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now I want to point out, it starts right off when you're talking about keeping your heart, guarding your heart. What am I guarding it from? What am I guarding it for? It starts off in the context of that passage, be attentive to my words. Be attentive to the word of God. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. So he wants our heart to be like a treasure chest for the word of God. Amen? And he's saying, put it in your heart. Keep it there. And I want you to protect it. What my word says of you, I want you to put it in your heart and I want you to guard it. Because the world's going to attack your emotions. The world is going to attack your feelings. The world is going to attack your mind, your thoughts. It's going to attack your perspective about God, attack your perspective about you and others, attack your perspective about what's right and what's wrong, to try to muddy up the waters and try to deceive you to get you off the path of righteousness onto the left or to the right. And if we're not careful, why, why is it important for me to say this? Because it's, in, it's imperative that we make the word of God the preeminent authority in our hearts, in our lives. Because if we don't, we can still guard our hearts, but we could end up guarding our hearts from the truth. And keeping lies in our hearts and conducting ourselves based on lies into on the pathway that leads to destruction. And so he wants us to keep our hearts with all diligence rooted in the word of God. We talked about Bible study. Why is it important to have a quiet time? Why is it important to always be in the word? Delight yourself in the word. Meditate on it day and night. Because to guard our hearts, we must be filled with the word of God. Are you hearing me? This may not be profound and, and so forth but it, it, it is pro the truth is profound the simple truth is profound if I am to guard my heart I need to know the word I need to crave it I need to hunger it I need to delight myself in it I need to keep it before me David said thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you
And that should be our cry as well. That should be our objective, to hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. Amen? What we think in our hearts concerning the word of God, our relationship with God, and our self-image will influence what we yield ourselves to. You know who knew that? Our enemy. Satan knew that. He knew it very well in the beginning. That's how he got Adam and Eve to fall in the Garden of Eden. Now, we've, I've been in the middle of the great debate, the great gender debate concerning the Garden of Eden more times than I care to imagine. Whose fault was it? Was it Eve? Oh, no, it wasn't her fault. It was his fault. He should have been on this job. Where was Adam? But you know, we can lose ourselves in the looking for fault one way or the other. You know, we need to, we need to pay attention to the serpent and his tactics and what he did and how he did what he did and, and how that influenced behavior that led to sin that led to the fall. Because he's still operating that way today. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, starting at the first verse. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Notice what he does there. He begins to, he begins to try to sow a seed of doubt concerning the word of God. Did, did he really say that? Are you sure you heard that right? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Is that what God said? Not exactly, huh? He did say don't eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, right? She added a little bit. She added a little extra, didn't she? And you must not touch it or you will die. And what did he do? He says, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what does he do? First of all, he sows a little doubt about the word of God. It's accuracy. It's legitimacy. Now he's sowing a seed of doubt about the character of God. See, he's holding out on you. See, he knows that if you did this, you'll be like him. And he doesn't want that. So, sowing seed of doubt concerning the word, sowing seed of doubt concerning his character, and then what? It, and then all of a sudden it changed her perspective. And she says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. 
She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They didn't eat the forbidden fruit until after their esteem for God's word had diminished. Their trust in God had diminished. And their view of self became something other than what the word of God said. And that's how he operates. Sows a little seed of doubt here and there and just lets you nibble on it. And if the word of God is not firmly planted and rooted in your hearts where you're able to tell the truth from a lie and you're able to rebuke it and guard it. If you're not able to do that, you'll fall prey to the schemes and wiles of the enemy. God doesn't want us to fall prey to the enemy. We have authority over him, right? And we've got to know that authority and walk in it. And when he tries to come with his nonsense, get thee behind me, Satan. I tread on your head in Jesus Christ. Amen? Satan's playbook hasn't changed in all these years. His many schemes still attack us in those three areas. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. He even used a similar playbook against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have an enemy. And that enemy wants to destroy us. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way he can do that is if he gets us to believe in lies. Because we have already overcome in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so we've got to know. Then verse 1, Matthew chapter 4, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, notice here, if you are the son of God. Say, Jesus, we got to know that we are sons and daughters of God. Okay? Or the enemy will come into our lives and try to, and try to sow doubt. Amen? We got to know that our we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so we get to looking and we get to reflecting on our shortcomings. We get to reflecting on our mistakes and our issues and our imperfections and our flaws. And all of a sudden, in our mind, we may not say it out loud all the time, but in our minds, we're questioning where we stand with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is up there interceding. Just like he interceded with Peter. You know that, you remember the story in the Bible where, where Jesus told, uh, Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. 
And you're like, okay, he's going to pray. He's going to pray. He's going to bind Satan away from doing anything. He's not going to let Satan do anything that makes me uncomfortable, that, 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 that produces pain or whatever in my life. He said, no, but I prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail while you're going through what he's about to put you through. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. Yes. Praise God. So while we're going through what we're going through, Jesus is up there and he's our biggest cheerleader. And he's like, you can do it. We're telling us, I can't do this. I can't handle it. I can't do it. He's like, yes, you can. You can do it. Father God, the, the, the grace of God, the provision of God is yours. You can do it. Father God, strengthen them. He's up there. He's praying in faith, interceding for us. All right. Getting back to Matthew chapter four. He said, if you are the son of God, so in seeds of doubt, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus, he's guarding his heart. He's firmly planted and rooted in the word. He is the word incarnate. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil, you know, he's okay, let me go to plan A didn't work. Let me go to plan B. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. More seed of doubt. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So he's staying on word. He's not, he's not allowing the enemy to pull him into his feelings. He's not allowing him to pull him into his emotions and, and, and reasoning and so forth. He is staying rooted in faith to the word of God. And because he is, he's able to respond to him in truth and thwart the plan of the enemy. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And their splendor. Notice he changed tactics. He, he didn't, the third time he didn't question whether he was the son of God. He started that off twice. Jesus rebuffed it. Now he's going to try and appeal to some sort of vanity. He's going to try and appeal to certain uh, fleshly desires. And he says, if you will bow down and worship me, he said, I will give all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. You know, if, if you humble yourself before God and resist the devil, he'll flee. You know, Jesus just showed that this is the proof is in the pudding. So it's just a matter of whether we are rooted and grounded in the word of God to where we can resist the enemy on based in the truth of God's word and make him flee. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Now, I just want to get a simple truth over to you and try to connect some dots to, to really show why it is so important that we have a regular daily time in God's word 
and, 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 and not only to just read it and then move on and go about our day, but to read it and think on it throughout the day, meditate on it throughout the day. You know, dig deeper and find out meanings of words so we can get the full context of what is being said, being spoken. So that that truth can be just quickened in our hearts and we can grab a hold of it. And we can get a taste of it. And then we want to protect it. We want to guard it. Amen. We'll stand against lies that will try to come in and corrupt it. Amen. I mean, I'll tell you what, this is vitally important stuff I'm talking about today. Getting this is important to our ability to walk in the freedom and walk in the victory that Jesus died and rose to give us. It will enable us to be the lights that we've been called to be in this dark generation. Amen? It will enable us to see the possible beyond the impossible. What Candy was referencing this morning, which is referencing this morning, to see God's possible. Amen? Hallelujah. Psalm 1 is where I'll finish. Psalm 1, verse 1. Verses 1 through 3, actually. And it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prosper. I'm going to read that again. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, say delight, is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. I want you to star that scripture, underline that scripture, circle that scripture. Highlight that scripture. <laughs> do whatever, do any and everything to really give yourself, to highlight that scripture to yourself. But those, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And if you do that, 
What is this? This is what it says about that person. Now, it already says you'll be blessed. All right? It already says blessed is the one who doesn't walk as the world walks, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. You know what? That tree, the root system, it's got an endless supply of what it needs in order for it to bloom, to flourish, and to bear much fruit. Amen? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Amen. And so I want to, I want to encourage you in that. I want to, I, I want to leave you with that image in your mind. I want you to be, I want that to be a scripture that you read and meditate on. Not limited to this week, but all week. And I might quiz you on it. So if I see you, if I see you, <laughs> don't duck and run because I'll chase you down. I don't have 4-4 four, four speed anymore, but I can still get you. Unless, unless you ran cross country or something, then the longer the run goes, the, the better chance you got. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Scripture says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. But he says in Galatians, so I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. Let's pray. Father God. We acknowledge that in some ways, Father God, we have been led by the flesh. Every time we walk in self-condemnation toward ourselves, Father God, we are thinking flesh. Every time we backbite, gossip, judge others, we are walking in the flesh. Every time we conduct ourselves in a manner inconsistent with the word of God, we're walking in the flesh. And we might justify it 
by saying, oh, that person started it or that person deserved it. And, and, and we, we find many ways that we can figure out a way that we're on the, on the side of right. But there's only one side that's right. <laughs> and that's the, that's the side where your, where the truth of your word resides. And the bottom line is if what I said and what I spoke, did it honor God? Was it obedient to the truth of God's word? It, it, if, if it didn't do that, then I was in the flesh. And I think we, I think we need to be real about that this morning. Are you hearing me? I said, are you hearing me? We just need to be real with ourselves and real with God. And we just need to lay it at his, lay it at his feet. You know, he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, let's lay down our pride and let's confess our sins. And let's just, and let's just do some real business with God. He loves us and he's, his arms are open to forgive us and he's willing, he's ready to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've just got to let him do it. Amen. And so father, we come to you, father God, acknowledging all our fleshly ways to you. Father God, I, I'll let you minister to the hearts of each individual, whatever those fleshy ways represents. It's probably unique to everyone. But we come to you, Father God, and we confess. Repeat after me, Father God, I come to you now and humbly confess my sinful ways. I humbly confess that I have walked in the flesh and not in the spirit. And I, Father God, I confess it in faith and I put my trust in you that you have forgiven me already and cleanse me from unrighteousness. And Father, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for your amazing love. And I give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just wanted to encourage y'all that way this morning. And, and like I said before, God wants to give us 2020 vision in 2020. <laughs> Anyone who needs prayer, I'll be up here 
An invitation is open for you to come. I'd be happy to pray with you concerning any need.